Well, the Yankees have won two in a row after getting hit very hard by the injury bug. The Rangers have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. And Johnny Menzel and Michael Sam are still in the news. We have a lot to talk about here on the Yes Men. And guess what? I'm alone because my co-host has decided to get married. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Yes Men podcast. I am Doug Williams. To my right is not Lou DiPietro, and he will not be to my right for the next uh, two or three weeks or so. It's hard to – I can't really figure out how long he's going to be gone, but he's going to be gone for a while. He's got a honeymoon. He's got a wedding. You know, leave him alone, all right? Everybody, don't tweet at him. Don't email him. Don't text him. Only I'm allowed to do those things. It's a co-host law. I'm allowed to, you know, bother him whenever I want. We have a lot to talk about today. And uh, so the Yankees lost uh, both games of the Subway Series at home and won them at City Field because that's how baseball works and baseball is weird. Um, the big news also is that Carlos Beltran, uh, he is uh, on the disabled list. They're not sure if he's going to get the surgery. He has a bone spur in his elbow. And to me, I was talking with Jack Curry uh, of the S Network yesterday about this. I'm not a fan of delaying the inevitable. A few Yankees have tried to do it. Brett Gardner's tried to do it. Uh, Mark Teixeira has tried to do it. And it just ends up never being a good idea. Because, you know, even if you come back from the surgery and it turns out that, you know, you didn't need it, sometimes the players just end up thinking about the injury anyway. You know, the injury's gone, but you're still it's still in your head. I mean, everybody out there, every human being has has, you know, kind of made up an injury in their head. Now imagine having a bone spur in your elbow, getting a cortisone shot, not knowing if you were going to recover, and then coming back and trying to swing a baseball bat. Again, it's like being a pitcher. Swinging a baseball bat is not a natural motion. Doing it, you know, 30 times per game is not a natural motion, including warm-up swings, including the the weights you put on the bat. You know, it, it is not good for your body to do a lot of the things that happen in sports. Uh, we just somehow expect them to recover like normal people, but they aren't. They aren't. So, in in my opinion, this is not a devastating surgery. It's not Tommy John surgery. It's not a torn ACL. He's not going to be out for the rest of the season. Carlos Beltran could miss six weeks. Okay, that's okay, because by the time he gets back, it'll be late June, and you're still, you know, in the first half of the season technically. So go have the surgery, get better. That's my opinion, and don't delay the inevitable. Uh, the Yankees are getting led right now by two stars, Masahiro Tanaka, <laughs> who that makes a little bit more sense than the next guy I'm going to name, Yonghera Solarte. Uh, Solarte is leading the Yankees in, in so many offensive categories. It's freaky. And I thought Brian Cashman had a great answer. Uh, he was asked, I think it was on the Michael K show, uh, about this, the, you know, Young Harris Solarte is leading your team in blah, blah, blah. Hits, average, RBIs. You know, why is that? Are you happy about that? Isn't it great that you're getting so much out of a guy that you didn't expect to get this much out of? And his answer was, I am so happy for uh, Solarte that he's been able to do these things. I don't wish that he was leading in these categories. And Brian Cashman is right. I mean, think about all the guys they went out and got this offseason and how all the guys have kind of underperformed. I mean, Carlos Beltran, even before he got hurt, really was not tearing it up. He had a good start to the year. 
He was hitting for power. And maybe it was the injury, but he kind of slowed down before he got hurt. Brian McCann uh, has not been great at the plate. Now, I, I have no doubt that he will turn it on. I'm not worried about him. I'm just saying, as of right now, a lot of these guys are underperforming. Jacoby Ellsbury led this team uh, through April. You can't kill him at all, but he's definitely slowed down. Solarte, we kept thinking, I mean, let's be honest, Yankee fans, at the beginning of the year when Solarte was hitting 400, you thought, well, he'll cool down. You know, this is just what happens. He's a 26-year-old journeyman. There's no way he's going to hit 300 in the big leagues. Well... Let's see, what, what date is it? It's May 16th today, and he's hitting, what, 323? The guy keeps going through slumps, but then he gets hot again. And that's the key to a Major League Baseball hitter is, yes, can you get hot? That's good. I, I want you to go, you know, 10 for 30. I want you to go, you know, 15 for 28. But can you go through a slump and then get back up? especially young hitters who've never hit in the big leagues. This is impressive. He's got a great eye. He hits the ball hard. He's got one of those swings that is, I think it was uh, John Flaherty that says this the, said this the other day. It might have been Al Leiter. I think it was Al Leiter, actually. He's got a short but long swing. It, it, it's compact, but he gets everything out of it. I mean, he hits the ball hard. You know, he hit the ball out of City Field on a line the other day. That's not easy. Most of the balls that get out of City Field are like, you know, raindrops. They go very high, and then you can watch them come down, you know, five feet past the fence. That was not the case here. So it's obviously been impressive on the part of Tanaka and Solarte. I'm sure that you've heard enough about Masahiro Tanaka, but he has just been incredible. Thank you-know-who for him because – in this rotation, there are two guys left over from the beginning of the season. Nova had Tommy John, CC's got the knee injury, and Pineda has the, uh, the back injury, the muscle injury. So Tanaka is more important than ever. And, and while somehow uh, Brian Cashman and Joe Girardi might still think he's their three-starter somehow, he right now is clearly their ace. And that's no slight to anybody else. It's just you got to look at the numbers here. He hasn't lost a game yet. So when you put your team in a position to win every time out, that's your ace. The guy that you wait for in the rotation, you know, it's not about reputation. It's not about what you've done in the past. An ace is the guy that when you're struggling or, or, or you're, you know, you're 0 for your last four games and, and you're just, you need a win. That's an ace. It shouldn't be looked at politically. It's just, it, it, it's a feeling. You got to base it on how you feel. And, and as a fan, Yankee fans must look at this guy as the stopgap in the rotation. Not to mention, by the way, that Hiroki Kuroda may not be the ace, but he's the other guy in that rotation that you have to win the games he starts. If you don't win the games that Tanaka and Kuroda start, then you're in trouble. The Yankees, what they need to do is emerge as the non-mediocre team in the AL East. And a lot of us look at the AL East as such a strong division. And, and it does. I mean, it, it is strong. It's got incredible lineups across the board. When the Yankees are healthy, their lineup is terrific one through nine. The Orioles, I mean, that lineup is really impressive. Boston Red Sox, as you know, have a very strong offense. The Blue Jays have a strong offense. They, they've done a little bit this year. The Rays have the strong pitching. They've had injuries. We all thought this division would be great, but it turns out that the people out there that said they're just going to beat each other up are kind of correct. I mean, no team has run away with it. No team has a, an incredibly impressive record. The Yankees, what really I think they need to do is emerge as the team that's not mediocre, that's very good. 
a team that can go eight or so games over 500 maybe by the end of May. That would be impressive because no other team's running away with it. It's there for the taking. Yes, you can't run away with a division in May, but at the same time, you can really get ahead. And that's good. That's a good thing to do. It doesn't mean you're going to win the division, but it's a, you make a statement. You're the team everybody's chasing. You want to put yourself in that position as early as possible. All right. Uh, two more things. We're going we're gonna to get to the Rangers. I'm actually going to have, we're gonna have our buddy uh, Seth Rothman, uh, who's been on the show before. He was there for the live video podcast at Yankee Stadium for the Stadium Series. He writes for InsideHockey.com. We're going to talk some Rangers. Obviously, it's been a, a very interesting playoffs for the Rangers. They've emerged to the Eastern Conference Finals, although at times we really thought they wouldn't. Uh, they've beaten the teams in Pennsylvania as many as they could they could possibly beat. They beat the Flyers in the first round and, of course, the Penguins in the second round. Really a team that has played with a lot of heart. Um, so we'll talk with Seth about them. Two quick things I want to get to. Uh, Michael Sam and Johnny Manziel. I'll start with Sam. Uh, he's been in the news so much. He got drafted by the Rams, of course. Everybody knows about the kiss with the boyfriend on on, on television. They're just opinion on opinion out there. It just the, the media and, and Twitter, everything just went crazy. And so I'm not going to give you my opinion on, on the kiss. I mean, I, I am a very accepting person of everything. So I, I, I had no problem with it. But I am going to give you opinion on his decision to apparently have some sort of documentary on the Oprah channel. Uh, a few months ago on this podcast, I, I applauded Michael Sam for, for coming out, and I applauded him for the way he did it and the way he acted. I thought it was very admirable. Um, but what I said was the key for Michael Sam is to not do what Manti Teo did. Don't go on Oprah. I actually said those words. <laughs> Don't go on Katie Couric. Don't do the talk shows. Act like a football player. Not that, you know, being gay is not something you want to be proud of because he can be proud all he wants. But being a football player comes with a certain type of, of reasonable expectations. And if you want to be known as a football player, which these are his words. He, in interviews, has said, I hope at some point you guys, you know, think of me as a football player, not a gay football player. Well, the best way for him to do that would be to stay away from things like this. Stay away from what he's now agreed to do. So it's disappointing. That's the word I would use for it. It's disappointing that he has decided to do this. And, and as much as he wants to call it a documentary, it's really not. It's a reality show. And the funny thing is that the Oprah Network, Michael Sam, I can't remember who told the Rams this, but they've been told, hey, Rams, we're not going to be at practice. We won't film any training camp. So it literally has nothing to do with football. It's so disappointing because the, what Michael Sam wanted, and who knows if this was his decision or the decision of his publicist, but what Michael Sam wanted is now officially not going to be accomplished. Uh, Johnny Manziel, the Browns have come out. The Browns GM came out and said, you know, he's the backup quarterback. Stop it. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's not the backup quarterback. He's the most exciting thing your team has had since Tim Couch. Obviously, that was a joke, but it's kind of true. The Browns should, are so lucky to have this guy, not necessarily because I think he's going to be the best quarterback since Joe Montana, but because he is so dynamic and so exciting. I mean, we know all about how many ticket uh, season ticket holders have come out of the woodworks 
since he got drafted. You got to play him or you're just putting Hoyer or Whedon in a position to fail. It's not fair. It is fair to Manziel. I get it. You know, he's a rookie. Put him in his place. I agree with that tactic. But at the same time, in this case, I think you just have to go with it. Because I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the right thing to do for a football team. If if you're the GM, president, owner, coach of that football team, I think you realize that starting Johnny Manziel gives you the most upside and it gives you the, the most recognition. I mean, let's face it. If he had been drafted by the New York Jets or the New York Giants, Obviously, you would say, let's not start him right off the bat. But you're the Cleveland Browns. It might be nice to have some national recognition. You might get some primetime games. These are good things for an organization. You make a lot of money. You get a lot of publicity. You get a lot of fans. These are things the team should want, not not shy away from. All right, with that, let's talk some Rangers. Let's talk some hockey. Playoff hockey is the best. It's just the best. And with that, we'll welcome in our very own Seth Rothman, a, fen- a friend of the program, I should say. And uh, he's been on here before. We were very cold the last time you were on our show, Seth. Yes, we were. It was. I mean, that was one of the coldest days I can, I can remember. And yet it was still, I felt very happy. It was just like that was the pit of winter. We were at the stadium series at Yankee Stadium, and we did a live podcast. It was a lot of fun. I, I donned my... Uh, my uh, Callahan jersey, but things have changed since then. The Rangers, of course, are now in the uh, Eastern Conference uh, Finals. That Seth, isn't this interesting, the fact that we've called this the House of Horrors for basically now the Rangers' best player in this playoffs has been Henrik Lundqvist, and he's been so terrible in Montreal of late? Yeah, you know, it, it is, but I, I'm also not sure how much that matters right now. We're in the, in, you know, that was all regular season games. Most of those games are played on a Saturday night when everything is a lot more revved up for the home team than it is for the road team. So I'm not sure how much of that is going to translate to this postseason. I think a lot is being made of that. I I just think in the playoffs, I, I don't really see that being as big of an issue for him as it is. I mean, you know, it's not like in baseball where... You know, the batter's eye might be a different color or whatnot. The, the arena is, is what it is, and most arenas are all the same. So I, I really don't think it's going to be as big of an issue as, as some people are, are making it out to be. And I know that, you know, Martin St. Louis, of course, his, mother's, his mother passes and, and the Rangers win at home, on home ice on Mother's Day. It's been a terrific story, really, in watching this team come together. My personal opinion is that there's really nothing wrong with the fact that the Rangers used this and, and really found themselves. And, and it's not like they used the passing of Martin St. Louis' mother. It's just something that allowed them to come together. What do you think about that? Well, I don't think it was St. Louis' mother dying that you know galvanized them. What I think galvanized them is the way St. Louis responded to it. You know, Marty St. Louis finds out on Thursday afternoon that his mom passes away. And then within 24 hours, he's on the ice playing a game. And you know, when when we heard that St. Louis was going to play that night, I said to somebody, I said, there is no way the Rangers are going to lose this, this you know, game just because of that emotion of having him come back. And then the emotion in Game 6, Mother's Day, his dad and his sister at, at the Garden. Uh, and then a, a Game 7 where I don't know how much of that was emotion and how much of that was, was Henrik Lundqvist, but, you know, the Rangers find a way to win. I, I do think it, you know, galvanized them. I do think it brought them a little bit more together, but I don't think it was necessarily St. Louis' mom passing away. I think it was more the way St. Louis responded to it is what brought this uh, uh, team together. 
if I told you, Seth, that uh, Rick Nash would score five goals in this series against the Canadians, do you think that propels this Rangers team to a different level? Do you think that they have a much better chance of beating the Canadians if he somehow comes out of this slump that he's in? Yes, but I'll give you a you know, caveat. The other guys have to score goals, too. I mean, if, if Rick Nash scores five goals and his teammates score three goals in, you know, in four games, the Rangers are going to be down, you know, 3-1 again. Um, so it doesn't, you know, it's not only on, on him, it's, it's on everybody else. Wissau's got to keep scoring. Zuccarello's got to keep doing what he's been doing. You know, you know, Kreider's got to put the puck in the net. So I think it's on a lot of guys to score, not just, you know, Nash. And, um, you know, I think what we've seen this season so far, and I think what we've seen in, in this postseason, is the Rangers have three lines where, you're not really sure which line is, is the first line, the second line, and that third line. They've got nine guys that can realistically put the puck in the net, in the net anytime they're you know out there, and, and I think that's why the Rangers have had some success in in in, in, in this postseason because you know frankly they're getting goals from from everybody. So it's not you know, and the other thing that's done is it's taken the pressure off of Nash, where him not scoring goals isn't is has become sort of a you know side plot here because other guys are scoring goals. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And also he's played he's played really well defensively. I mean he played really well defensively as a forward back checking in that in that series against the Penguins. And, and I also don't think he's playing terribly on the offensive side either. I know he hasn't scored a goal, but you know he's 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 getting to the net. I think he's got the most shots on goal of anybody in the entire NHL postseason. So you know he's 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 getting chances. He's not putting them in. Um, but I, I don't think he's playing terribly. I just don't think the puck is really going in for him right now. Are these teams uh, as similar as people are making them out to me? I mean, I understand that the Rangers and Bruins would have been very non-similar teams, considering the Bruins are kind of that big and bruising type of team in a slower pace. Are the Rangers and the Canadians really that similar? I think they're similar. I don't know if they're exact matches. I mean, they both have a pretty decent depth. Uh, I think both teams are going to want to possess the puck. Both teams are going to want to move it up, up the ice. I think they play the same style. Whether or not they're similar teams, we'll find out. Um, you know, I, I think I think a lot of people around the Rangers, you know, fan-wise, and not necessarily team-wise, but I think a lot of Ranger fans wanted this matchup because, frankly, the Rangers' biggest advantage against any team they play is, is in goal. Okay, Price is a really good goaltender, won a uh, you know, gold medal. But Hedrick Lundqvist is maybe the best goalie in the entire league. And if they would have played Boston, that advantage goes away because Tuco Rask is just as good. Terry Price, as good as he is, is not quite up to Lundqvist's standards. So, you know, I think that's where the biggest difference lies right now. And if, look, I've said it in the, in, in the first two rounds, if the Rangers get better goaltending, they will win, and if they don't, they will lose. That's how it is. So, uh, obviously, that's a very big if. Do you have a prediction that you're willing to stand behind? You know, I'm, earlier this week, I, I sort of thought Montreal win, you know, six. I, I really don't know, though. Um, I don't really have a feel for this one. Um, I, part of me, I, I do think Montreal is probably a better team, a, a team that has some better depth, but I, I there's something about this Rangers team right now that is just there's something going on with this team right now. So in as much as I think Montreal is the favorite, 
I would not be surprised to see the, the you know Rangers win this thing. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on again. Uh, we appreciate it, and you know, I, I hope it's a good series. I think it'll go seven personally, and as we know, Henrik Lundqvist doesn't <laughs> lose game sevens. Yeah, I mean, look, that's if this thing goes seven more games, I think advantage Rangers, but um, you know, Rangers are going to have have to get it there. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be a really fun series. I think it'll be a series that people are going to enjoy watching, and uh, we'll see where, where it goes. All right, man, thanks for so much for coming on. All right, thank you, got it, buddy. Well, that's Seth Rothman of InsideHockey.com, and this is an incredibly hard series to predict. If you stump Seth Rothman, because he always drops by my cubicle and will say, you know, Rangers in six. He's very confident. He's a confident guy, and he's a very smart guy, and he knows hockey. That's why he writes about hockey. It just goes to show you how, how difficult this is. These teams are similar, and these teams are going to make it really difficult for the other team to win. The Rangers are going to have a tough time winning in Montreal. That is not easy. The Rangers need to win one out of the first two, or else I, I just have a feeling that, like Seth, Seth mentioned, that this team, there's something happening with this team but I feel like if they lose both games in Montreal, that magic might fade. And guess what? I mean, playing for Marty and Marty, you know, stepping up his game and, and really playing for his mother, that's not going to end either, considering this whole team is going to a service on Sunday uh, for Marty's mother, which is a great thing that they'll all be there for him. And, you know, it's really been an unbelievable story. And, so we have so much to look forward to. you got Game 7 in the Anaheim uh, L.A. series tonight. The Rangers and uh, Canadians start on Saturday. It's really an exciting time. Obviously, the NBA has continued to. I, I wanted to get to some Nets. We won't go deep into that. It's, it, it, it was a rough season for the Nets. Uh, they obviously did a lot of good things, and especially in the second half of the season, um, Jason Kidd really pulled this team together and it seemed like he 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 did a great job as a coach uh the playoffs were not great um the series against the heat was incredibly disappointing a lot of people thought maybe the nets had a, sh- had a chance i mean we've talked about it a lot on this podcast that you know the heat really were susceptible to being defeated by the nets but you know the nets kind of laid an egg they won one game at barclays center and that was it um it's tough i mean beating the heat is tough they look like they're poised and ready to go to another another uh, NBA finals and who knows who it'll be between San Antonio and uh, OKC. But it's, I mean, this is tough for the Nets because Jason Kidd said in the post game, he said, you know, we, uh, we did a lot of good things. We kind of set ourselves up, but in reality, it's not that way because this team is aging and, and they don't know what Darren Williams's future is because he really did not look great in the playoffs. And this was kind of their year as much as I hate to say it. I don't know how true that is because they'll probably uh, be back next year with a with a good roster. They need to re-sign Sean Livingston. They need to bring all these pieces back, but you never know. They could come back next year uh, after a year under their belt and 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 put another uh, good season on the books. It's just it doesn't feel like that kind of team where they have a lot of youth and they put it together, but they, in the end they were too young for the playoffs. It's not that. I mean, it's the opposite. So so it's tough. But again. Great time of the year to watch sports. You're going to have the uh, East and West Finals in both the uh, NHL and the NBA coming up. Um, and baseball, obviously, is in full swing. The Yankees play the Pirates, and then they go out to Wrigley to play the Cubs, which is going to be very cool. Just a quick plug for everybody out there. We're debuting a new show on the yesnetwork.com. 
uh, called the leadoff spot. I'll be talking to some of the uh, the guys that do the uh, pregame and postgame shows on Yes. Like uh, we talked to John Flaherty about the Pirates series, and then we'll talk to uh, David Cohn, hopefully, for the Cubs series and Jack Curry uh, next week. So it's a cool thing. It's just previewing uh, the upcoming series, and it's very simple, and it's an easy watch, and um, we film it in the studio here at Yes. It's really cool. So uh, keep an eye out for that again. Um, and if you haven't subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, it's so easy. Uh, it's free. Uh, it downloads on your phone. Um, and it's a little bit more fun here when Lou is here because we get to go back and forth. But I promise you, you will enjoy it. And, you know, I don't know what percentage of the world commutes on a daily basis. I know I'm one of them. But uh, it helps your commute to kind of just sit back, uh, not necessarily close your eyes because then you won't really hear us if you're asleep. But just sit back, relax, and listen to some sports talk. I mean, it's fun. Uh, we have a good time here. We have some really good guests. We had Rich Eisen on uh, last episode. So do that to help us out, if you will. And um, and also, if you have subscribed, uh, rate and review us. I, let iTunes know how we're doing. Uh, give us four stars if you think we're good. Give us five stars if you think you're, we're great. And give us one star if you think we're terrible. We can use any type of you know, feedback. And then uh, write a review too so itunes can have an idea of what what uh how we're doing so that helps us out so without further ado uh this has been doug williams for the yes men podcast i will talk to you guys next week not sure what we're doing for a show but uh hopefully we'll get another guest on and and maybe we'll be talking hockey or basketball and you never know we'll cover all the bases i will see you guys next week this is the yes men podcast